Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Kirker and Smallman on 101 ESPN, and time to go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, where blues analyst St. Louisan, all-around great guy Joe Vitale, joins us as he does Friday mornings on 101 ESPN. Joey V, good morning. How are you? Chill. I, I tell you what, how am I doing? Let's look. Uh, the other day, I'm seeing this article, and the country of Australia is taking applications for one person, solo, to go on an island outside the Great Barrier Reef. It's a nine-mile island, okay? They have to go there, live there remotely. You have to set up solar panels. You have to do uh, bird conservatory. That's definitely not a word. But, like, check the flowers and check the birds, set up energy sources, and basically just take care of this land in Australia outside the Great Barrier Reef. You should, I mean, seriously, check it out. Mid-September, they're accepting applications so how am I doing? I'm, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> you could do that, Joey V. You're smart and resourceful. I am not. I would die if I was on the Great Barrier Reef and I had to put things together to actually provide my own energy and save the piece of land there. I have no chance. There are these great Army survival books, Randy. Uh, my dad gave me one when I was 14 years old, and I was obsessed with this book. And I still have it, and when my kids are... Maybe a little bit older, I want them to read it. But it's all about how to survive in the wilderness and, and how to take care of yourself. And, and the one thing that really stood out, I mean, there's so many different angles about that book that really jump out at you as far as, oh, this is a good idea about how to survive in the wilderness. But one thing you always consider, if you're ever out in the wild, Randy, you can eat almost anything. I remember that, that, that was like chapter number one. Consider everything almost uh, edible to be food for nutrition. Grass, like, you know, green leaves with chlorophyll in it. It may not taste all that great, but something, anything is better than nothing when you're out in the wilderness. Just watch out for them blueberries. Those blackberries will get you too. Joey, is there a survival book on how to make it in a bubble in Edmonton if you're an NHL <laughs> hockey player? Oh, oh, boy, can I get a transition of the year for Michelle right there? <laughs> I mean, honestly, guys, I honestly, it's just getting spookier and spookier and I'm not a politically driven guy, and I and I pride myself on just, you know, calling hockey and calling sports, and this is what I love. But I, I feel for these players right now. Again, I don't care if you're right, left, or down the middle. These poor players, they care about one thing. They want to either win or go home to their families because they miss them dearly. They've been up there a long time. And now another two-day extension to their stay. Again, right, left, or in the middle, doesn't matter. Um, from a personal standpoint for these players, it is it is getting tough. I, whoever said there was going to be an asterisk for making this the hardest cup to win ever, put two asterisks by it, one in the front and one behind, because a mental grind and just 
the, the, the just the aggravation and, and the emotions and the ups and downs and peaks and valleys these players must be going through, I cannot even fathom it. So with that being the case, Army told us yesterday that he could envision bubble hockey again to start next season. And I told Michelle, I think a lot of players would opt out. Do you think you, you're a player and you know players? Do you think players would be willing to make the sacrifice for three, four, five months in a bubble to and be away from their family to play a season of hockey? Well, I think I think it'd be a decision that would come down uh, to the very end and kind of like a negotiation you see when there's a CBA that's up. I think at first, Randy, you're going to see a ton of players. I actually would say the majority of the players that are going to say, we're opting out, I'm not going to do this. Now, you can do that for a while, right? But as time starts clicking and they start saying, no, this is the only way, and then once you start cutting into players' wallets, we all know, not only players, but just humans. You cut into their wallets, you start saying, okay, well, you want to play, well, this is what it's going to cost you, and this is what it's going to cost your family. Then I think you'll see players buckle. But at this point... Uh, if, if they make that the case, I just think that this is so fresh in everyone's mind. There's pretty much only going to be a handful of players that are going to be really excited about it, and those are going to be the players from uh, Detroit, Ottawa. Poor, poor uh, Brady Kachuk's been sitting around for nine months. He'll, he'll want to play hockey anyway. He doesn't care. But for a lot of these players that haven't gone to this bubble situation, I, I just don't think it's realistic. I mean, if it has to happen, it has to happen. But, gosh, I just hope we don't come to that. Joey, if we're diagnosing the problems that the Blues had in the bubble, certainly being away from their families is near the top, but after they left the bubble, when they did the Zooms, many players mentioned how affected they were by not having fans in the stands, that that energy was impossible to recreate. So even if they're not in a bubble scenario, do you worry about the Blues going into next season if they have to be in a similar environment with no fans in the stands? Well, I, I am, and that's why I'm, and that's why I'm kind of thinking. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if this has been thrown out there or not yet, but how can we create a bubble with fans and family? You know, this is going to be a very tricky thing to do. But I think the the, the the league has enough time where they should already be starting to look at the blueprints of how this is going to work. How can you sell twenty twenty five thousand tickets to some lucky individuals? who want to show up to a bunch of different games, right, and just kind of stay within this area, and then you have a bunch of family. Maybe it's not going to be full capacity, but listen, there's a lot of retired people out there. There's a lot of people that can forego three months of work if need be uh, to put fans in that building because, to your point, Michelle, uh, yeah, to play hockey is one thing, but I don't know. I feel bad saying this, but without fans, it just sucks. Like, it sucks calling the games. It was terrible. Like, I, I was doing it. And Curbs and I, we, we did it better than no other because of the best duo in the league. But but it sucked. It, it was terrible. Like guys were scoring goals and they didn't even know if they went in or not because no one's cheering. The light was kind of faint. You know, it was just it was a weird situation. And I think that uh, the players are doing the best they can to make the best of it. But gosh darn, I, I can't imagine the exact same situation in January. Something's got to change. Either having some fans in the building, some family in the building, or having them at least do it in their host cities where they can be around people. Because if this continues, again, guys, I'm worried for the sake of the quality of this game really going downhill and for these players as well. Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN, the Blues analyst and noted foodie. Joey, as you've traveled around as a player and now as a broadcaster, do you try food indigenous to the area that you're in? Like Pittsburgh. Oh, let's, let's, let's talk yeah. about Pittsburgh with Permanti's. Permanti Brothers is big uh, up there. They have these sandwiches. 
in Pittsburgh. And to answer your question, absolutely, Randy. That's the first thing I do. I, I Google what, what this state is known for, and then, and then we just hack right at it. Pittsburgh had the Permanente Brothers sandwich. And if you've ever been to Pittsburgh before, um, think of it like if there's a sandwich the size of your actual stomach organ, that's how big these sandwiches are. I mean, they are loaded with meat, so it's a good story. I'm with Brooks Orpik. I'm a rookie. He's in his sixth or seventh year. Uh, now he's retired, working for the Washington Capitals, one of the greatest human beings I've ever played with. True pro. He takes me out to lunch, and the health store next door was closed. I forget what the health store is. He's a huge health nut. But we were starving. It was after practice. He's like, gosh, okay, I guess we'll go to Permanente Brothers. And he never went to Permanente Brothers. So I'm over there. I'm getting a sandwich. And the thing about Permanente Brothers is, it's meat, it's cheese, it's sauerkraut, it's Thousand Island. They just completely load these sandwiches up. But they also put a huge basket of French fries on the sandwich, if you guys have ever had those before. And I remember Brooks Horpick looking at the guy behind the counter and said, yeah, I'll take the, um, you know, whatever. the you know That wasn't um, some sort of meat. I forget what it was now. It's some smoked meat. But he asked for that with no cheese, light mayo, and no fries. And the guy goes, oh, listen, man, we, we can't do it without fries. And he's like, no, no, I, I, know, I know it's part of the sandwich, and I'll pay for it. I don't mind, but I just don't want fries on the sandwich. He's like, he's like, no, no, you don't understand. We don't put, we only put fries on the sandwich. What do you want? And this is Brooks Orberg. I don't think the guy had any idea who he was. He just won a cut back in 09, like two years prior. And he's, he's denying a Stanley Cup champion in his own city to have fries on his Permanente sandwich. But, oh, my God, truly funny. There was also cactus fries. I've had cactus fries when I was out in Arizona. If you guys ever had a chance to get those, those are fantastic. What do I those mean, entail? Yeah. So it's cactus. Yeah, people people think it's like a, a blooming onion kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's just a name. No, it's actual cactus flesh. They take the needles and the spikes out, obviously, because if you get those in your body, whew, uh, like a, a shooting a shooting uh, cactus, th- those will leave warts on your skin. They'll, they'll be little bugaboo warts for the years to come. So they take all those out, and it's just cactus flesh. So it's cactus flesh. And they, they kind of do a deep fry where they go uh, flour. Then they go into the egg wash because whenever you, whenever you deep fry anything, you always want to go flour first. Don't ever just go right into the egg wash. If you're doing chicken, don't ever go raw chicken into egg and then flour because it's just going to slip right off. Always go a light layer of flour, and that's what they do with the cactus fries. They get the cactus, a little bit of flour, then they go into the egg wash, and then they go into the peco crumbs, those Japanese bread crumbs that mm-hmm. look thicker, real, real crunchy. And then they pop them right into a greasy fryer. I think it's peanut oil. And they put them out there with some, like, Thousand Island, like, cool, awesome ranch dressing. And they're not bad. Those sound delicious, Joe. You know who's kind of the human equivalent of a cactus is Jordan Bennington. We know he's percolate. Are you worried at all about his performance, or do you think that we're going to see him bounce back into Jordan Bennington form? Michelle, again, with the transition. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Did you have your tra- transition cereal? This morning I'm, or what? I'm telling you, Joey, I think I could transition anything from point A to point B. It's a strength. You must, a strength. Be, you must be good on the dance floor. Hey, Jordan Bennington, you know, listen, this is, this is a question for Doug Armstrong. I mean, how, how deeply are you looking at this bubble? How deeply are you looking at Oscar Sundquist and his performance or Vince Dunn and his turnovers or Jordan Bennington and his goals against average? I mean, if it were me, if you're asking me what you are, if I'm Doug, you're kind of looking at it, but you're not focused on it. It's kind of there, but it's like your attic. You know it's there somewhere, and you got to keep an eye on it, make sure nothing's dripping, but you don't ever go up there, right? So that, that's how I would look at this bubble. My focus would be on the regular season. This was a very weird, spooky, interesting thing that some players just were not equipped for, and you can't blame them because nothing has ever been done before. 
You know, could Jordan Bennington have showed up earlier for phase two? Should have some of these players who were quote unquote out of shape showed up earlier for phase two? Well, I guess maybe, but also at the same time, they didn't know what the heck was going on. Were we even going to have a season? Some of these guys are in Sweden. Some of these guys are in Russia. So they just pick up and leave with the hopes, quote unquote, that there's going to be a season. I mean, it was a very interesting situation. So I'm not one to be very critical of the players, even their conditioning to some degree and how they mentally approach this thing because it's just never been done before. But for Jordan Bennington, you know, um, people are questioning maybe at times, is it, was he a one-year wonder? When I would say, well, absolutely not. Because if he was a one-year wonder, he would have played out 2019, won a Stanley Cup, and then been garbage this past regular season. And he wasn't garbage. In fact, I think he actually elevated his game. I think he was better in 2020 than he was in 2019. I can, I, I can still see his game trending upwards. He's got one year left on his deal. He'll be UFA. You know he's going to be hungry. He's going to want to prove himself. And any time this kid's been backed up into a corner, like he has been for the first five years of his career, being in the minors in the East Coast League, he's responded very well. So I feel very good that Jordan Bennington is going to have an incredible bounce back year. I think he's going to take this as a learning experience. I think he's going to take his training and all his maybe weaknesses that were exposed there in the playoffs. And he's going to work on them. And he's going to be the best goalie for the St. Louis Blues come 2020, 2021. Hey, Joey, a couple more things. Number one, because of what you've told us, people talk about putting an asterisk next to the Stanley Cup. I get the impression that your belief is is that winning this cup might be more impressive than winning it in a normal year. It is, and, and that's what I said earlier, uh, Randy. I said instead of one asterisk, make sure you put one yeah. in the front and one in the after because, because of just given the mental strain of everything kind of going on right now and – and, and listen, guys, I know, I know they're hockey players. And I, know, I know you guys know better, but some fans, you see them on the screen, and then as soon as the game's over, you turn the screen off, and you think they just disappear until two nights later when they're playing again, and then they just reappear like Superman. But if you really think about it, like spend some time and thought about what's going on in Alex Petrangelo's head. It's not just about his contract, right? It's not just about whether he had that turnover in the third period. It's not, not just about whether his water bottle, he couldn't find his water bottle on the bench. And it's not, it's not always around hockey. These guys are humans, man. They have wives and children, and they have financial stresses, they have home building projects, and they have the milk sour. I forgot to get milk for my wife. She's going to be pissed. Like, oh, like, all this stuff goes through their heads, too. And, and, and the fact that they're not around, what we all would probably consider the most important things to all of us is family, right? And they can't be around it. FaceTime's FaceTime, but it's not the same thing. I think we as humans, we need, we need touch. We need to feel that physical energy from our children, from our wives, from our moms, from our dads, cousins, friends coming over for a barbecue. How much better do we all feel when we have get-togethers like that, right? It, it energizes us. There's something there about that. And these players just have not had that for a very long time. And not only are they going through the kind of depressing nature of all that, but then we're going to ask them to, hey, when the puck drops, I need you to find your ultimate intensity. Like, you need to be at the very top of your game. Your nervous system has got to be at a complete premium in order to play the fastest, hardest game in the world. Like, going from one extreme to the next, to me, that is, that's what the most difficult thing is. I've always had respect for players who do that, players who lead the rink, and you see them hug their wives, the toughest guys in the world. Ryan Reeves, for example, Chris Thorburn one of the toughest guys in the league, mm-hmm. and you see him walk away from the game, he goes from that intensity to the softness of hugging his wife, hugging his kids. Going from one to the other, it's hard enough with fans in a normal situation. 
But this, this is a completely different level. Final thing, and I want both of you to weigh in, Michelle first and then Joey. Uh, Rehab Burger Therapy, Scottsdale, Arizona, the PBJ and Bacon Burger. Freak your mouth out with a ridiculously delicious flavor combination. Peanut butter, grape jelly, bacon, and sriracha sauce on a burger with a pretzel bun. Michelle, thumbs up or thumbs down? You going for it? I always try everything once, Randy, so definitely go for it. And I think uh, a little sweetness on meat is usually a sneaky plus. Joey. Randy, I always listen to my good friend Elvis Presley. When it comes to peanut butter, you throw it on anything and you got to give it a try. I'm in. All right. Love it. Joey, you have a great day, a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. We always love having you on. Randy, Michelle, you guys have a great weekend. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. You're the best. I have had that burger, and not only have I had it once, Michelle, but when I went back to Rehab Burger Therapy in Scottsdale, I had it again. So it was that good? It's delicious. It really is. It was I. Was I right? Did the jelly add something? It did. And, and I was worried about it, but I wanted to try something that was out of my comfort zone. And the the jelly did add a lot because it's kind of dry when you have peanut butter on a burger. But then the jelly, the, the moistness and the sweetness of the jelly made a huge difference. The sriracha sauce was an interesting kick, too, because that combination of the jelly and the sriracha sauce makes it even more interesting from a flavor explosion standpoint in your mouth. Okay, two things here, Randy. Uh, a hot pepper jelly is always awesome. So mm-hmm. I'm assuming the sriracha and the jelly, you get that sweet and that kick going, which sounds great. Question for you, though. Mm-hmm. When you put peanut butter on a hot piece of toast, on a hot bagel, per, you know, perhaps, it tends to get melty. So did the peanut butter get melty on the on the hot burger? It is melty, yes. No doubt about so it. So was that messy to eat then? Was yeah, it difficult? But, yeah, but anything you get at this place is going to be messy. So that's part okay. of it. And by the way, the saltiness of the, the bacon also adds to the flavor. It's really a, an interesting combo. I'm so. starving now. <laughs> we all are. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and this is Carriker and Smallman. Next up, we've got the fight on 101 ESPN.